Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we're going to do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about Dead to Me Season 2 on Netflix. After the end of last season, I said on this very podcast that I didn't think there was enough content to sustain another season. Will I eat my words? Will Fanny do the ultimate gloat goat? Stay tuned, dear listener. All right. As always, uh, we would love it if you rated and reviewed us on iTunes or wherever you're able to do such things. It helps uh, other people find us and just makes us feel good. And who doesn't need to feel good in these insane times? What did you do in pop culture this week, Fanny? I watched uh, The Kitchen. I believe this is on HBO right now. This is Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish and Domino Gleason and Elizabeth Moss, who is securing her place off the list of the one Scientologist you're allowed to like at a time because she is no longer my Scientologist that I like at a time because I'm tired of her. I am tired of her little smirky upturned eye and her snarky comments and lingering looks. I'm, I'm over her one part that she seems to play. She plays it relatively well, but I'm, I'm over it. Um, this is a movie that lost me on a, in a very not for Justin scene where Domino Gleason pulls a dead body into the, into a bathtub and then teaches the women how to dismember it. Elizabeth Moss is way more into this process uh, than she should be. And it's icky and gross. And this is not a particularly good or interesting movie, but I did watch it. It's hard to imagine Domino Gleason like cutting people up. Is he, is he like a toughie in it? Yeah, he's kind of a toughie. Okay. I mean, he's, he's very, he and, and Moss are in love, but uh, you know, but he's, yeah, he's kind of a psycho. Okay. All right. And one more question. So who's your replacement Scientologist now? Have you done it or no? I have not chosen because I don't like Scientologists. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't like Schmientologists. It's true. I don't Uh, think you have to have one. You're allowed one. But you're allowed one. But, you know, I mean, Leah Remini, but she's ex-Scientologist. So, you know. I, yeah, I don't think I, I, I have room. I have an open place on my list for one Scientologist who's not terrible. Come find me. I also watched on Netflix, I watched Notes from a Drug Scandal, which is about a two drug labs in New Hampshire that both had scandals about their drug testing and ended up just kind of being an indictment on the justice system that fought to try and keep people who probably had wrong tests tests that were not handled properly administered and still ended up in prison because they were people of color and poor and that sucks. And I hate capitalism and I hate the justice system and I yeah hate the patriarchy. Anyway, I'm doing well this week in quarantine. (laughs) I started that show and you know, I I thought the story kind of framework was interesting but it, I found like the focus on those two kind of women that are sort of at the center of the story. I was like, is there enough here? But I'm glad to hear it. Does it sort of pivot to be about yes. the people that their actions? Affect? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, cool. it That's... absolutely does. And it turns much more into the story of the lawyers for those people trying to get 
justice for all of them okay. and how many there are and get their 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 convictions overturned or at least new trials and and so that it it becomes about that nice and uh yeah uh on stars i watched warriors of liberty city say that five times fast folks this is about a program in texas that takes children i would say I think they're around seven, puts them in football to try and get them up and out of their of their financial and family situations. I could only watch one episode of this show because it was so depressing. It was, again, I hate capitalism. Uh, it's very much sh- shows that this is these kids only way one of these kids only way out and while this program really teaches them you know they do tutoring and teaches them other things it the focus is very much on i'm going to be a, a football star and that's my way out that's my way to get a ferrari and get my mama mercedes and it's so sad that a that's what they think of when they think success because that's what society has taught them and b that the only way out they have is to wreck their little bodies to try and save themselves and their families and with their family's encouragement. And on my feminist soapbox now, there's no plan for the girls. The only thing they teach them is the cheerleading. And I know we watch cheer. I know there is an avenue there, but we also watch cheer and know that there's not an avenue there. Right. And so I couldn't watch any more of it, but it was well done. Tell me you got something that was silly and happy in this list. <laughs> uh, not so not so much. I watched all of Upload while I did a crochet project. I don't know why I watched all of Upload. Uh, the main thing that I took away from Upload appears to be that Heaven is the Great Northern Hotel from Twin Peaks. <laughs> is it filmed this in is, there? bland show it looked like it okay. yeah it did Funny. um this is a bland show on amazon you know it's a new amazon original about a guy who dies and his consciousness goes into the you know the computer and it has plot huge plot holes and then there's a love story and there's also a mystery and most of it has fallen out of my head uh what's his face amnel's cousin the guy who was on the 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 arrow the guy the arrow guy the main guy on upload is his cousin and that's why he looks vaguely familiar because they do look a lot alike and when i finally looked it up i was like oh amno that's the that's the guy from arrow and then no it's the guy from arrow's cousin from bizarro world it's not great it's not you know you're not gonna hate it but I started it and I had my, I got to come up with a name for this. Um, I don't know. My, my game night slash, uh, what was, what was the show that the movie that was um, Seth Rogen and uh, Charlie's Theron that came out last Oh, summer? the long shot. The long shot. We're just immediately, it wasn't like terrible, but I was like bland, not for me. Nope. I'm usually a few <laughs> beers in and I'm just like too bland, but I make this very rush to judgment yeah, dear listeners, I'm sure you're not surprised. Um, but I had that reaction to this show very quickly. It was something with the look of it and honestly the acting of that main character. I just was like, ooh, this feels like a bad network show that somehow ended up on Amazon. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Speaking of practically unwatchable, last night while f- desperately searching for something to watch and coming up 
empty except for trailers. Uh, so we have a lot of things that we're like, oh, we want to watch that eventually, but not tonight. We finally just settled on Double Tap, because, uh, Zombieland Double Tap, because the first Zombieland is one of Parker's favorite movies. This is, we turned it off after an hour. You guys were so excited for it. it I remember talking, un- hearing about it. Watchable. Wow. It was so bad. It wasn't funny. The writing was terrible. It was so bad. And is it the <laughs> same director and it. same writer and everything? I think so. Wow. We couldn't get through it. It was terrible. That's a bummer. So don't watch Double Tap. If it's on Hulu, if you don't trust me, you can go watch 30 minutes of it. But don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Uh, on Pop Culture News, AMC, the uh, the network, not the movie theater, has... Uh, signed the rights from Anne Rice for uh, the Vampire Chronicles and the Witches. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the Witches, but anyway, so they're going to go to TV with them when TV starts getting made again. And maybe they won't put Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in it, and we won't have one, one bad vampire. (laughs) Uh, Two, two bad actors. I'm somewhat hopeful about this. But we'll see what they do with it. It's funny, and I, I always liked the witch, the the witches books. I thought they were interesting. I saw the, your AMC news, and I thought no. there you were talking about the movie theater chain because their Amazon is in talks to buy the AMC chain. Right? Did you see this? Yep. Um, yep. Which I mean, kind of boo, I guess. But also, if we can go to the movies again, and somebody's like footing the bill for that. I don't know. It's whatever works. I I agree with you. I want to get back to a movie theater. I don't know that I want to get back to a movie theater bad enough to give Bezos any more money. I know. Since he's just about to be a trillionaire in the midst of all of this, this profiteering on all of the virus. And I'm kind of, yeah. Again, boo on capitalism (laughs) and patriarchy. I'm down on it this week. Uh, I mean, I'm down on it all the time, but I'm real down on it this week. Totally fair. You want to talk about what we both did so that I stopped being a socialist over here, I have to go get my comrade hat. And we watched some good, trashy, nothing to do with anything. Yes, we did. Um, yeah, Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Uh, call back to last episode where we talked about Hollywood, the Ryan Murphy show, um, which has a character played by, oh my God, is it Dylan McDermott? Did I get that yes. right? Um, who is an analog? <laughs> Yay, not Dermot Mulroney. Right. Yes. And he's an analog for Scotty Bowers, who was this uh, real life uh, owner of this gas station where he, you know, essentially pimped out uh, mostly young men and some some women um, Mm -hmm. to uh, just people of Hollywood stars on the down low and just. I don't know, regular people, maybe? I don't know. It's hard to tell if, like, it was only stars. It seemed like word got around. It seemed like everybody would just show up there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's a documentary on Amazon Prime. No, Hulu. It's on Hulu right now. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed Hollywood or if you're just interested in kind of Hollywood gossip stuff, uh, lots of revelations in this. What did you think of it, Fanny? Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn never had sex. <laughs> if Scotty Bowers is to be believed. I believe Scotty Bowers. I'm sorry, I do. I believe him. And I'm I'm floored because that is something that I had taken to the bank for most of my life, bought into the entire, oh, how romantic. You know, he didn't ever leave his wife, but she stood by him. Mythos. And I'm I'm kind of irritated with myself that I didn't look at it twice, but whatever. 
that's my big takeaway. I, I mean, it's not my big takeaway, but it was one of those things that sort of gobsmacked me. Um, Sorry, I do actually really quickly. I went to see my mother socially distant in the backyard for Mother's Day, and I was talking about this documentary because they had started watching Hollywood. She was destroyed by this news about. Oh, no. uh, I wish I had not told her about uh, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. Like I, her face, like fell because she's that age where it's like they were the couple that you believed in well i started to feel like that <laughs> i started to feel like that of well wait a minute i always thought that was so you know because i was always been super into the 40s and super into old movies i was a swing dancer you know what i mean so spencer and and hepburn and tracy were like a thing for me as a kid you know like i thought because i thought she was so great and so I, I started to have that reaction when they had the show, but then I was like, but they looked out for each other and that's cool. And they took care of each other. And, you know, that's that's important, too. You well, know, and calling it back friends. to Hollywood, maybe this is the Holland Taylor, uh, Joe Montello right. kind of story kind of being built into it and addressing that right. in its own way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I thought that was, I, I don't know. I ended up, I, I, my first reaction was to be brokenhearted and just kind of deny, Oh, that can't be true. But I mean, most everything else that he said seemed to have checked out and he did wait for everybody to be dead. You know what I mean? He wasn't like just trying to make money or, or, you know, blackmail anybody. He seemed to be super respectful and straightforward, a little weird, you know, he, he obviously has aged oddly. And he's into his kink. I mean, he. I, I yeah. think at some point he talked about doing it with farm animals, and yeah, that that was something that. Was well, sad. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, when he was talking about his young farm life, there was something I was like, "Did you?" I'm gonna just pretend nobody said anything. Keep about going, that. just. <laughs> yep. Um, this is a crazy documentary. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I mean. It, all what I just said, toss it out the window. Besides that, I'd love that he was very kind of like sex positive and kink positive. And really, I think, you know, we talked totally. about this a little bit was just kind of like, you know, what um, he, he didn't think he was like star fucking, even mm-hmm. though he fucked some stars, according to him and right. other people around him. He was more interested in just giving people what they were craving. So to well, speak. Made them happy. Made and, them happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's fun. I the, Starting ho- uh, Hollywood, the show, and thinking, you know, this gas station is ridiculous. It's a Ryan Murphy thing. And then learning it's really true. And it, they did a pretty good job of recreating like, it. Like <laughs> probably the truest thing in the, the show. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. hilarious. Um, and then it's, meanwhile, Scotty Bowers, even though he's a crazy, like, ambisexual, whatever, playboy, his funny wife who sort of looks after him and, you know, her eyebrows, her arch eyebrows of disapproval throughout the documentary are, are worth is, the price of admission alone. Yeah, she's great. She is she is hilarious. Yeah. And I, I liked it. I thought I had a really good time watching it. I, it's worth checking out either before or after Hollywood. I mean, doesn't you don't have to do it with Hollywood at all. But I was recommending both to a friend of mine and she's like, OK, so I'll watch. The, the the documentary after and i said it actually it won't really matter yeah know, it won't matter they're they're in concert with each other and, it would and only... honestly if you're like me and hollywood doesn't really do it for you just jump over to the documentary and give it a shot because right. or of... if you you know it may make you more interested to go back to, right you know what i mean it may True. be like oh this is a real thing let's go see what they incorporate yeah 
What'd you do in pop culture, Justin? Oh, man. Talk about shame. I got some shame coming up with my first thing here. Yeah, I'm looking at this doc. I... I paid for this. In, in, you did what now? In, in real ways. I paid to watch Brahms The Boy 2 on Voodoo. How I much? You know, the usual standard Voodoo, like probably $5.99, $4.99. Oh. Um, I'm a terrible person. I, you know, I, you've got your oh. housewives. I've got terrible horror movie sequels that. That's no okay. Exist. Um, did you see the first? The boy. No. Why would I have seen that? <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. I like killer dolls. Killer dolls are fun. I'm always down for like a. T- I mean, I've seen all of the Annabelle movies in the theaters. I think by myself. <laughs> I think I've seen all three Annabelle movies by myself in the theaters, and usually drunk. Um, but I saw Brahms with Dave on a date night. Well, the first boy. Sorry, not Brahms. Just the boy. Um, it is ludicrous. It is terrible. It is fairly well made and sort of has a nice kind of gothic look and a great set direction it has a ridiculous plot twist at the end which i don't want to spoil for anybody who likes bad horror movies but it's so dumb that it sort of pushed it for me into kind of bad movie camp not heaven but you know like eh, that's pretty campy and terrible and fun um this sequel is starts off equally as well so just a little like Step back here. Katie Holmes is the lead in Brahms the Boy 2. What's going on with her? Somebody needs to kind of reach out and check in, make sure she's doing okay. Um, she's still kind of good. I like she's Katie She's a good Holmes. actor. She should not be in any more terrible, like straight to, well, I guess it was in the theater for like a minute, but whew, I don't know what she's doing in this. She's got some hunky British boyfriend. I don't know who the actor is, but he was very hot. Um, so the last one, without giving too much away, it's it's very unclear if the killer doll, the possessed doll, is actually a killer doll. I'll leave that there. And in this one, it's very clear if the killer doll is a killer doll. And that is the biggest, that is the biggest problem with Brahms the Boy 2. <laughs> um, it is terrible. It's ridiculous. It is sort of again well made and sort of suspenseful while it's well, while you're watching it in the beginning and then they just end it horribly like it's got one of the worst endings i've seen it feels like it was like they literally just ran out of like you know whatever space on the hard drive to finish the movie and we're like we gotta wrap this up um so yeah so i did that that's where my brain is you're watching serious documentaries and fighting capitalism and uh i'm watching brahms the boy too um i also watched we're here the second episode have you watched any of this yet no um oh my god fanny i cannot wait for you and parker to watch this show just jump right in tonight you and parker it is it is making me cry every episode <laughs> it is so good it's so thoughtful because crying is my goal right now uh, it's cry in a good way it's good cry it's um it's very sweet um and there's always a moment where somebody is you know sort of sharing their story this last episode that i watched they went to twin falls idaho yes idaho yeah and um i'm always like iowa or idaho idaho and there are three queer um, kind of drag queens that you know show up and they're going to put on a show all together. But these three queens are so isolated 
even within this one kind of town or region um, that they don't have any sort of ally kind of relationship at all. And the, sh- the episode's really about kind of them being like Shangela. That's actually, no, sorry. It's Bob, the Bob, the drag queen is sort of the leader of this episode. And it's about her thing, sort of getting them to realize that they are allies and they have to lean on each other. Um, and then they put on a show and then there's a straight guy who, you know, really is like, I used to be a homophobic asshole. Um, the idea of, you know, men in drag sort of like used to repulse me and, you know, make me so uncomfortable. And I've just had a lot of sort of changing sort of thoughts in my life. And now I've decided that things that make me uncomfortable are things I actually need to confront. And so I want to sort of do drag in front of people. Um, and it's super corny and it's awkward and cringy in moments, but it's also kind of lovely. Um, I'm sure it's all very manipulated, but I really like the show. I think there are now three episodes. I'm excited to watch the third one, um, but it's much better than I thought it was going to be. It's also beautifully shot, which I did not expect. Um, I also wanted to play a song, uh, Ashley McBride. Have we talked about her ever? Do you know her? I don't think so. She is um, a country artist. I forget exactly where she's from, but she's been around since like 2006 and kind of put out like four albums over the years, but sort of been developing a bit of a cult following. I made a, uh, my annual Mother's Day mix, which, by the way, is on Spotify. I'll just make it public for anybody who wants to listen and post it in uh, the Facebook channel. Um, every year since like college, I made my mom a Mother's Day mix. It's always a fun exercise for me to sort of figure out what new music I think my mom might connect with. Um, this is also one that your mom might connect with, Fanny. And in fact, I sent this to her, so I hope she's able to listen to it at some point. Uh, this song is called Hang In There, Girl. <laughs> this is the most country title ever. Um, from her new album, Never Will, which came out in April. It must be so hard to release an album during all of this madness, but uh, there you go. She did it. Uh, let's take a listen to Hang In There, Girl from uh, Ashley McBride. such a sweet song it's so i don't know right now i need songs like that that feel optimistic and um just wonderful and inclusive and reaching out and uh, we all gotta hang in there thanks ashley i appreciate it uh all right should we talk about dead to me yeah let's talk about dead to me because i need something to gloat about hopefully no spoilers uh, <laughs> 
This is the second season of Netflix's show. It stars Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. They are an unlikely best friend duo brought together by a series of really bizarre circumstances. We're going to go spoilers for both seasons, not here in the intro, which is why I'm being a little cagey, but uh, we are going to go full spoilers. So if you haven't watched yet and you're interested, just bail out now and come back when you're done and we'll see you next week new season new faces this season are natalie morales and francis conroy oh my god and everywhere you turn you get new wonderful people on this show and what'd you think justin all right so as i said at the top um you know last season i really enjoyed i thought it was a ton of fun uh at the very end of it i thought I like this, but there's no way that this can continue for a second season. It feels like they sort of addressed all the plot points they were going to address. Um, I thought the relationship between um, the two the two leads was so great and fun and really carried that first season along. But I thought eh, without more plot, it's going to sort of run its course and not work. You get a 75, maybe 80% glow dote on this um, because for the first 80% of this season, I was like, the plot is still kind of dumb, but this show is so sharply written and these actors are so good that I am just, I don't care. This is, I escape this television. Like this is the ultimate, like just like what I want out of that kind of, um, just sort of comedy writing. It's so much funnier. It's like every, oh, so funny every week, this, you know, every week, every episode ends and you're like, oh, right. Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Adam McKay yeah. And they're like people that are really funny. And you're like, oh, this season is so funny. Um, yeah. And also there's a, a queer subplot, um, which I thought was so sweet and so funny. And and so just straightforward and, and straightforward and believable and yep. like unexpected at the same time. But the way yep. that um, Christina Applegate's character reacts to Linda Cardellini's new relationship is just sort of like, okay, cool, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, I loved all of that. You deserve so to be in love. That was awesome. So good. Um, you know, but here's my little wah, wah, Debbie Downer thing. I, the plot as the season went along is dumb. The minute James Martin shows up as a twin was my first huge groan, even though he's, hilarious and actually i really want him to do more funny stuff because he's so funny in this role i think i liked that role obviously much better than his mean dead twin brother of course right. um but all of that stuff was just sort of tedious um and and as the you know the coincidences pile up as linda Cardellini starts dating natalie morales who's the ex of the police chief it's just like so ridiculous um and I don't know how they would get around this because it's just sort of the vehicle for the comedy yeah. writing. Um, but it didn't, I was mostly with it until kind of the end where it expected us to a have some sort of emotional attachment to the plot. Like I had an emotional attachment to the characters. I think this comes up a lot for me in these kind of shows. I just want to watch these two characters meet because their husbands died and like, follow their lives i don't want the dumb plot <laughs> like it's just something that i have trouble getting around like this was so predictable there's a moment in literally the last like 10 minutes of the final episode where i was like that's gonna happen because they talked about it halfway through the season and you know it's coming and you're like really this is your big like emotional punch at the end of this is the most obvious thing you mentioned um so that 
ruined a little bit to the point that I think I was kind of right, except you were totally right and can get your gloat goat on about how good these characters are that I will now retract my uh, sort of I won't watch for the third season because I will because I love these actors and I love these writers. I love the naturalisticness of the dialogue. I love the the overlapping, but not in the obnoxious Sorkin way, in the just that's kind of how people mutter to each other type of way. And it's always very funny. I like the way they kind of overlap and then the side comments. I That is how you talk to your friends. This is, you know, the funny exchanges. And uh, I find Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini's chemistry with each other so good. And I, I of course, Natalie, Natalie Morales, every time she shows up is great, but she and Linda Cardellini are so good. The kid actors are believable and that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, Marsden again is super funny, but also he's good. He's, he's, you care enough about him. Francis Conroy plays the perfect waspy old bat. Oh my God. Um, she's so good in her time. On this oh, she's so good. And I want her to come back. And I mean, again, yes, the plot is probably the weakest part of this show it is literally just there to build tension and make things funny to you know to have the kid have a weird friend i had forgotten all about the holy the unholy no the holy rollers whatever they're called oh right right uh, yeah and the the little the, the christian band he's in and how much she hates it but she goes anyway and christina applegate as a mom is channeling a feeling i have deep down in myself Mostly the I hate every other kid but my kidness of being a mom. <laughs> just great. I feel personally attacked that Linda Cardellini's character has the same birthday as me. So I don't know what this show is trying to say, but I'm nothing like that except I am a lot like that. And shut up. <laughs> you, you got some Applegate in you too. No, I know. I've got a strange combination. I've got like Applegate rising. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Linda Cardellini's son with Applegate Rising. What are you? <laughs> I just, I, I, I watched it all. I watched like four episodes one night and I got up the next morning. I watched the, the beginning of the end of it. I could not turn it off. I just love to watch these people interact. It is so bingeable. Like it is really yep. one of the few shows that I just had to pace myself Yep. to not just rush it all because I wanted to just sort of have a, you know, a week of distraction that I could enjoy rather than two nights, right. which is what I would have done. Yeah, uh, I had one night and a morning. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. You know what else I like about it? One thing that I just, it's such a cliche now that so many shows pile on these, um, you know, cool soundtrack songs and choices. Right. I like that this show doesn't do that. Like it really gets its right. identity from the writing. Um, Looking at you, little fires everywhere. Yeah. Cello versions of Alanis Morissette songs. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do think this show is like one of the things I like about it. It's not emotionally manipulative, if that makes sense. No, it sort of is no, like not at all. we we know and you know that this friendship is going to be sort of manipulative in this plot. It's going to be ridiculous. So right. let's all just agree that that's fine and we can enjoy 
just the emotions, like sort of almost yes. like the pantomime of the emotions. Exactly. Um, there's no, something absolutely. camp about it, but it's like not too camp and doesn't sort of get into weird, ugly camp stuff. I, yeah, I really. Yeah, and it's super emotionally honest. It's not doing it with the music cues. It's not, you know, we watched Roman Holiday. Parker had never seen it this week and uh, we put that on to watch. So that there, that wasn't a bummer, but also I've seen it 150 times and whatever. But the music cues in the 1950s, it was like, you didn't, okay, we know they're falling in love. It's been five minutes of the friggin', you know, violins. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and this show does not do that and lets you experience the feelings because the actors are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That ending was so dumb. I just like, well, when, I saw it coming a mile away ugh, and it was just like, I, is this the hook for next season? It's like it keeps doing this to me, where I'm like, "Really? This is going to be the next season?" But I now I'm not kidding myself. I'll come back just for them. Oh, yeah. And also, you know, Natalie Morales disappears from the show towards the end, and I'm like, I need to see them more together. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, they're they're kind of my favorite. Uh, you know, queer they're women so couple good. on TV right now. I'm super. I just am yep. like, yeah, they it's were so really sweet. good. Um, Very good. Yeah. So anything else? No, that's it. If you guys watch Dead to Me season two and you want to tell me how intelligent I am that I knew it was going to be great and interesting and bingeable, you can do that on Facebook to search for the next podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or you can find me and the podcast on Twitter. Justin goes in and then reads two tweets and ducks back out because it's a terrible, awful wasteland of hate. True. But you can get us at the next podcast. I'm at Fanny V. Darling and that's it for me. We'll see you next week. Bye.